All right, welcome into the latest edition of Hear That Podcast. Growling, Paul Inner Jr., Jay Morrison of The Athletic here with you. Jay, are you are you happy to be back home after a week in Mobile? I am thrilled to be back home. Nothing, nothing personal against Mobile, but, uh, you know, typical road trips. We leave on a Saturday, you come back on a Monday. It, it's almost like you're, you're barely even gone, but this was, this was an entire week away from home. Uh, so it does feel good to be back in my own bed and, and, and seeing my, my wife and my daughter and don't get to see my son. He's away at college, but it, it, it's definitely good to be back. Good to be back. And you know, you you made it out of there. You you didn't make it out of there quite as fast as the coaches uh, after Saturday's Senior Bowl game, but you but you still made it out nonetheless. And that's that that's important. Those coaches were not messing around. No, they were not. It was uh, by the time we even got into Zach's, we were Butch Hobson and I from Bengals.com. We were walking to the press conference and we saw Zach in the tunnel. It's like, oh, we don't know where the press conference is. Are you on your way? He's like, nope, already done. <laughs> and so he he stopped there and, and talked to us for a couple minutes, but he was, you know how Zach is, he'll go on and on and you could tell he was short and he, he wasn't trying to cut us off. He was going to, he was going to answer as many questions as, as we had, but he made it clear they were in a hurry to get a, get a flight. And it was the competition between the Bengals and the Lions was not on the field in the senior bowl. It was to see which coaching staff could get to the airport fastest. And not sure who won that because I didn't get to go to the airport. I didn't get to fly out till Sunday, but they were not messing around at all. They, they, they were in street clothes and streaming out of there. Probably some of the coaches is as quick as five minutes after the game ended. Hey, you, you, when you're, they were down there for a long time and they, they were putting in, Quite a bit more work than you anticipate putting in uh, in the third week in January, so I, I'm sure that they were absolutely ready uh, to get back to Cincinnati. Um, we got a few things to get to today. Uh, Super Bowl week obviously is going on. Um, not a lot to talk about the Bengals there, as you might imagine. Uh, but there's we'll, we'll, we'll dive into some Super Bowl stuff later. I feel, I feel like we need to go full in on. On on the gambling world, the, the growler bet needs to make an appearance. I feel like so maybe maybe we can come up with a growler bet. Uh, we have to do, we have to be on the record for some predictions. I think and I've got a I've got a run passer boot that I think um, we may need to enlist some of our followers and listeners uh, to help us execute to see who won. But I do think it will be worth it in the end. Um, so we'll get to that. Some more Senior Bowl takeaways uh, from the game, from the end of the week. Um, we'll we'll kind of dive into that. And then I, my story on seven things the Bengals should do this offseason, uh, and if they will or not, is up on the site right now if you want to dive into that. But we'll kind of we'll touch on a few of them and some of the more interesting ones uh, that kind of can be debated as we go forward. So we've got all of that ready to go. And Jay's got stats. Off-season stats. Off-season stats. And because they're in the off-season, they're not as sad. No, they're not. They're interesting. They're very interesting. <laughs> uh, and, and I don't know them. I purposely – we purposely withheld them. So we'll, 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 we'll react live together. Isn't that exciting? I'm excited. Yeah, I, I can tell. Uh, <laughs> all right. Let's go – I want to kind of run through the seven things – um, as we look forward to what is going to happen now, the Senior Bowl behind is sort of the kickoff, really, of the 
you know, the formation of this roster rebuild. How much of a rebuild will it be, uh, amongst other things? And, and so I, I wanted to take a look at, I do this every year, but I just wanted to really look at what should the Bengals do? I mean, if, if, it, if it were me, I'm taking over, I'm at the reins. What am I going to do to fix this to help the Bengals be, you know, the next team to, to make a run or get back to relevancy and then have that be the next step towards something bigger? Um, and really, you can imagine, it's, it was pretty easy where to figure out where to start. I mean, draft, draft Joe Burrow. Like, let's just start there. The good news is they're going to. Um, all signs point to yes, I believe is what the Magic 8-Ball would say. We shook it. Uh, it. It just, there is, there is no reason, there is no excuse. Even, I mean, we can talk about being blown away by a deal, I guess. Um, and we've talked about this. We talked about this last week, so I'm not going to go too much into it here. But you have to start there. That is where the offseason starts. It is the biggest move of the entire thing. Really, the majority of what we'll talk about this offseason is going to be how do you support that guy? You know, I mean, I think that's kind of the biggest thing. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's kind of what you go into with, with your the other six things there is is – what needs to happen around Joe Burrow? You you had it as a ninety nine percent chance likelihood that it happens. I I think that's a little low. I think it might have been like ninety nine point five. But it just it, it I don't know. I just can't see any team offering up a, a good enough package for the, the Bengals to move off of that. Um, everybody talks about you know Trevor Lawrence is a better prospect than Burrow. I don't I don't think there's any team that needs a quarterback as bad as the Bengals do. Um so I just I don't think that that is likely at all and so then it all comes down to the, the pieces around him and, and you touched on all of it with you know free agent free agency uh improving the defense, the O-line, what's going to happen with AJ Green, Joe Mixon, um I really enjoyed the, the, the Mixon piece. You you kind of like beating yourself up about going back on on your long held philosophy. That's that's the one that I I kind of wonder about because um, you, you said seventy five percent chance that they do extend or give him um, an extension before the season, and it's just we talk all the time about what this team is in free agency, and and they they're never going to move off of that, and it just. It feels like the, the Mixon thing is there too, not specifically running backs, but how many times have players won a staring contest with Mike Brown? It just doesn't happen, and I could almost see the Bengals being stubborn on principle and and trying to force Joe's hand. It's not what they need to do. It's not what they should do, but I kind of feel like that might be what ends up happening where it's just this this huge standoff and it, we get to the season and, and Joe realizes he has to play. Yeah, you know, I don't know enough at this point, and I don't know, you know, I don't know how deep in any conversations they are with uh, Peter Schaefer or you know Mixon's camp, um, but you know, I, I don't know how demanding this is going to get. You know, I mean, how aggressive this is going to get, or will it be like Tyler Boyd, who came in with a very fair, in his opinion, what he thought was a fair value of himself. He wasn't, he was trying to just get what he thought was the normal market for his type of player and came in and they got it done quick. 
and maybe he undersold himself by a little bit of money, but he got it done, and it wasn't a hassle. He was the from a from me from a player's perspective, the way Tyler Boyd handled that is the ideal scenario. He got it done before training camp started, so he never jeopardized himself. He came in with he knew the market, he knew what it should be, he knew he was going to be collecting, you know, ten, eleven million dollars per year over four years. I mean, it was. You know, getting paid like a top slot receiver and, you know, he could have gone out there and said, no, I want to be getting AJ money and I want to be, I can be a number one, you know, and trying to go get that and fought and then had it drag on. He didn't. He, that's, he, he took a giant pile of money and security and safety of having it and pocketed it. And the question is, are we going to see this be a dragged out thing trying to get some massive dollar amount? Is it going to go on like Melvin Gordon, where you get a couple games into the season, the guy's still not here? Or are we going to see it look like Tyler Boyd, where he just wants to get his money and be there at camp? Uh, I, I We don't know that yet, and that's the, the thing. I, I think the Bengals would probably like to get it done. And again, and you, you mentioned it, I mean, I'm beating myself up, but I, I, I hate it. I hate that this is this is to me this is one of the biggest problems with where the Bengals are at roster wise is that they don't have enough people to pay. They don't have enough good players on their team that they can reward because they've drafted so terribly and they've developed so terribly that they don't have enough blue chip players. They don't have anybody in the top five or really ten in their position to pay. Except Joe Mixon. And when you're in that spot you have to keep any of those guys that you actually have. And unfortunately, it's at the position that I, I, there's really not as much value in paying. But there is value in having a lot of good players. And I think that, in this particular unique case, trumps the fact that he's just, that he's just a running back and, and, and could probably be replaced with a pick. Yeah, and I wonder, too, where, where Joe – because we – We've not asked this of Joe, but does he feel like he's already behind the eight ball? Because talent-wise, he was a top-five pick, and he falls all the way to, what was it, 47 um, because of the, the incident from his freshman year. Um, so so maybe he feels like he's already lost a, a good amount of money um, by falling that far. But then again, maybe – there's that that loyalty and that appreciation that the Bengals were the team willing to take a chance on him. I'm not going to give him a hometown discount by any means, but I, I just I don't know. I I agree with you. I, I don't think that's the way to to build a roster to pay a running back. But it is this is a, a unique situation because of where they are financially and where they are roster structure wise. And the the one point you made that was really good is is Joe is proud to be a Bengal. He wants to be here, and, and there's not a lot of guys out there on other teams that that feel that same way. And I just it, it feels like he's a guy you can't let get away. But we've we've seen this before. I just I don't know. I I, I can't see Mike Brown blinking. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this thing plays out all the way up. You know, if, if they don't get a deal done before camp, um, when would he report to camp? Would he would he miss a game or two of the regular season? How does this is, is this a Melvin Gordon thing, or 
how's it going to play out? That's not. I don't see it being a Le'Veon Bell thing where he would sit out an entire year, but it. I, I think there's going to be quite a bit of time missed by Mixon as this thing plays out. Probably, yeah. I mean, it's it's that's very possible. We'll, we'll see exactly how aggressive, and that's that's going to be one of the things to watch throughout OTAs and as you get closer to camp is is where they get with that. If he shows up and just doesn't participate, or if he just doesn't show up at all, if he goes to Cabo, like what 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 is Joe going? I mean, who knows? I, who 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 really knows? But he does bring a, a distinct energy to this team, and and there is value in that. He, he is very much a part of the personality of this team when things have gone right. When things have gone right, it does seem like Joe has been the engine, and um, there's something to it. The question is, how long can he continue to be the engine? You know, I mean, it's a matter of tread. Uh, so that's what that position is all about, and how many how many teams that have paid running backs regret it. You know, quite a few. Um, unfortunately, the Bengals are not in that type of position, though. I one that I think that we can um, talk. We talked a lot. I talked about being definitive with AJ Green. I've beaten that. I, I mean, do we need? I can't. I don't think I can do this again. We we talked about it. If you want to do it, you can go back and listen last week. I'm going to guess the week before that. Probably three weeks before that. Definitely the one at the end of the season, uh, we talked about this. So I'm not going to continue to go into it. But if you want to read more about A.J. Green, you can go and, and continue to read about what I think should happen there. Um, inevitably, like I said, I think what does happen is he ends up playing next year on the franchise tag. And one year, $18 million. He doesn't like it. He probably doesn't show up for a bunch of stuff. And that's what it is. That's how I think it ends. Um the next one was is is where it starts to get complicated and where I think you start to see it veer off from what the Bengals will do versus what I think I and most would do. And that's they they've got they've got to flip this. They've just got to flip the this roster. The the old overpaid versus production segment of this roster at the top is is it kills them. Next year if you if you put AJ Green on a uh, franchise tag over and you look at who's currently under contract next year, their top five cap hits would all be over thirty years old. You can't win like that. You can't. No win one like can that. win like that. No one can win like that with a bunch of old dudes. And it's not just that. It's not even just that. It's a bunch of old dudes. It's a bunch of old dudes on a, a rebuilding roster. Yeah. Like what? What are you doing? They've got to gut that. You know, and I was gonna, I, I, if, you know, I, I will buy into at the not wanting to make trades at the deadline because they were trying to win and they were trying to get momentum and this, that, and the other on some of these guys. But now you reach the point where whether it's cutting to save the money to be used elsewhere or whether it's trading to get a bunch of picks, you have to look at this group at the top. We, you know, we know who a lot of them are. Andy Dalton. Geno Atkins, Draker Patrick. These guys are all in your top three cap hits next year. A.J. Green would be, obviously, uh, at the very top. He'd be at 18 on a franchise tag. Um, I threw in John Ross and Billy Price because they've just been problematic picks, and it's just their change of scenery candidates that might have some value. You might act, Somebody that wants speed might trade for John Ross. Somebody that wants starting center might trade for Billy Price. You can get something. Otherwise, uh, you know, it just feels like it's it's wasting away. But Carlos Dunlap, even you know these guys that are all at the top that are thirty plus, 
you know, you've just got to start to you've got to start to flip this. Yeah, the one that I wonder, I mean, Dre makes a lot of sense, but man, they are thin at corner. If they get something done before the draft and they can add a couple corners, that would make a little bit of a difference. But there is nothing. I won't say there's nothing else there, but William Jackson's been a disappointment. Darquez Denard is always hurt. Darius Phillips played well. Um, but you, you, you had fun with this on Twitter. It's, he, he played well, but he also played badly. It was, it was a, a total up and down thing with him. Um, I don't know that there's a long-term solution there with him. If, if they were to get rid of Dre, they, they would really put that secondary in a bind unless they could hit a home run on a, on a couple draft picks. Um, Dalton is the, the one you mentioned it too. That's, that just seems like the no brainer, but Ross and Price are the ones that are interesting to me because I do think they can get something for them. You're 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 not going to get what they're worth in terms of where you drafted them. I mean, you're going to take a loss on them, but you're going to take a loss on them if you if you keep them here and they keep producing or not producing the way they have been. You might as well cut bait there and and just see what you can get, especially with Price because. I, I still think he can be a good center in this league, I, but I, he has not been able to play well at guard. And you paid Trey Hopkins. You made it clear he's your center. Price is just kind of in this no man's land right now. And uh, I do think that I – don't, I don't think anybody thought that was a reach where they drafted him. So there were probably plenty of other teams that have first-round grades on him. Uh, I think they could get decent compensation, mid-round pick for him. Um but yeah, it just they have they have to move some of these guys and just get what you can get. Add to the draft draft capital because seven is not near enough to fix this roster. I mean, they could clear over a hundred million dollars in cap space. They could have over a hundred million dollars in cap space easy without really losing much and using that. To have over $100 million in cash space and adding a bunch of draft picks. They've only got seven picks, and one of them is going to Joe Burrow. So at some point, you need to load up on some draft picks here if you're going to really try to build this thing up. And, you know, the, the problem is if you are uncomfortable going and really spending in free agency, like, why can't you go get, um, a corner on the free agent market. Why can't you go get, you know, somebody who can come in and step in and play for you at that number two corner who's younger than Drake or Patrick, or maybe you feel like is a better fit for you uh, than Drake or Patrick. Why can't you do that and help plug the hole that way? Why, why can't you go spend, you know what? And granted, these guys have to want to come there. So try, maybe you trade, Maybe use some of your assets to trade that way, to trade player for player, and try to fill positions that way. All I know is, it's it's the time has come and gone to be messing around with the offensive line. Go, go get a real player in there. Go get a real player and let that ripple effect help you out. And suddenly things look very different. You know, if you're starting Jonah Williams and you get a real player, you get Brandon Scherf, or you trade for somebody of that ilk, you know, you, you find a guy like that and suddenly you're, you know, you've got 
Fred Johnston and Bobby Hart and probably another top pick maybe at competing at tackle. Um, you've got John Miller and Michael Jordan competing for a guard spot. I mean, you've got a backup there. And then you've got real pieces. There's a ripple effect to that. And it just seems to me there's just a reluctance to do that. And it's just never going to get fixed unless you aggressively go after it right now because this is the time to do it. And then then you can start to rebuild around that. But you just got to do it. And you got to you clear the space. It's easy to clear the space. And use it. I mean, we were just talking about, you don't have, they don't have anybody else to pay. Who are you going to extend? Who are you going to give money to on your own team? Right. You don't have anybody. It's time to pay. Yeah. I think two of the, the guys, you, you brought up one name, Logan Ryan. That's, those are guys, free agent guys, free agents are looking for two things. They're looking for money, obviously, and they're looking for a chance to win. A guy like Logan Ryan's already won with the pay. He's not, he's on Tennessee right now, but he's, he's won with the Patriots in the past. Joe Tooney, the offensive guard for the the Patriots, who was a second round pick, is from nearby, he's from Dayton, Ohio. He went to three Super Bowls his first three years in the league. He's he's got rings. He's so those are the kind of guys that they've already. It's not like you know you see guys at the end of their career and they're only they only want to go to a good team because it's their last chance to get a ring. That's not the case with some of these guys. Go ahead and overpay them if they're at a position that you really need and those cornerback and guard are and just step out of the comfort zone for once and, 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 and go after a guy like that. Maybe, maybe Logan Ryan's a little bit more of a risk, but Joe Tooney seems like a sure thing. It doesn't feel like that's a guy that you're going to get burned on by paying. And I, I just think everybody, was hoping that's what's going to happen this year is that they're going to step up. Duke kind of threw cold water on that at, at the Senior Bowl last week, but he didn't totally rule it out. And and that's where I think they could really help themselves by by getting, as you mentioned, an offensive lineman that's going to just move everybody back a spot and, and create solid depth there. And whether it's Scherf or Tooney or who any other starting caliber guard that's out there, just go get them. Yeah. I mean, if you came away with Scherf, Logan Ryan, and Joe Schobert, let's say, you know what I mean? If you, and, mm-hmm. and, and you, you've, you've plugged starters into your three biggest weakness spots, and then you can draft around those guys and try to draft for the future around those guys. You know, I mean, and, and I'm not, you know, there's any number of other players that you could fit in there. I'm just using those guys as an example who are sort of maybe the edge, the first wave or edge of the first wave, depending on what you get, where you can target them. You can find a reason they could fit. The other thing, you know, we talk about selling here. I think you can sell playing with Joe Burrow. Yeah. I mean, everybody, all the players were in awe of what LSU and Joe Burrow just did. And I think people would be excited to come and play with a guy like that, especially if it was someone that you could sell coming in and helping him be a leader, uh, you know, I think guys that are good at that would really embrace being around somebody who was such so so much potential to be a leader as he did at LSU. I think you can sell that. I think you can sell a skill position player uh, coming here if you're looking for a wide receiver, too, that you want to plug in or something like that. I think you can sell that. Who wouldn't want to play with Joe Burrow and you just saw what you just saw? Yeah, and I'm curious too. You, the the trade you floated um, last week, the high tower for Dalton. What 
if they're under contract, I should know this, but I don't. It, w- when can they pull the trigger on a trade like that? Do they have to wait till the, the start of the new league year, or is that something you can do at any point in the off season? No, I mean, two players under contract are can you can do whatever you want to whenever you whenever. want to. Well, I, well a, you know what? I should double check that. I should double check that because I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure if that ends. I, I have to double check that. It, it might okay. be elite. I, I think you can. But I, I hate to say that and, and not be 100% on that, but I, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, because that would be the ideal situation. Get get Make a move like that where you know where you stand even before you get into free agency. And then you do everything you do in free agency to know exactly where you what you have to do going into the draft. It just to, to line the things up like that, would, that's what they need to do to – to get this thing rebuilt because yeah. seven draft picks is not going to get it done, especially if you're going to stay passive in free agency. Yeah, I'm almost positive. The the uh, the Dolphins traded Ryan Tannehill last year before free agency even started, so you can you can you can get all of that stuff going early, right? Um, one that's kind of as a bridge as a bridge between our two conversations here um, is about making the Senior Bowl advantage pay off. We talked a little bit about this uh, last week. Um, you know, a really a, a good opportunity for this team to hit on a couple of late round draft picks, which you know they've done a decent job of. Even even in years they haven't been good, the problem's been at the top of the draft. Um, they still need to be better. This, this was a real opportunity for them, and, and that's another thing where if you load up on some of those mid round picks, if you, if you were to trade trade away a bunch of you know your older guys or whatever, and load even if you are loading up on third, fourth, fifth rounders. That's where coaching in the senior bowl really pays off for you. That's where you really find the guys that you know have the intangibles you're looking for that will develop because you, you felt like you got a good feel for them as people during those three days. That's what the Savannah is supposed to be about. And that's where other teams have taken advantage of, where the Raiders and San Francisco both took advantage of last year. So those two play together as well. And that, that with our discussion on last week's pod about how how many guys the Raiders and 49ers drafted and, and the quality of guys they got uh, this year from the Senior Bowl rosters? That's that what kind of piqued my interest to see what the what the Bengals involvement has been in terms of going at because we had that as our run passer boot. How many guys would they would they draft from the Senior Bowl? And I I didn't think it would be that much just just law of averages. There's so many other guys out there that weren't at the Senior Bowl, but the the, the Bengals have. I wish there was a way to do I went through every year back to 2009. I just looked at Senior Bowl rosters and then how many guys the Bengals drafted off of those Senior Bowl rosters. I would love to know where they rank among other teams in leaning on Senior Bowl guys because it's got to be at the top with, with what I found. Last year alone, 2019, they had 10 draft picks. How many of them do you think played in the Senior Bowl? Oh, jeez. I don't know. Uh, s- six? Yeah, it's exactly six. Is it six? six? I was gonna say that would be a big number. So that's six. wow. It was Rennell Wren, uh, Ryan Finley, Drew Sample, Jermaine Pratt, Deshaun Davis, and Jordan Brown. Now, two of those guys didn't make the team, but that's the most going all the way back to 2009. That was the most uh, six in one year. But they've had multiple Senior Bowl draft picks every year except 2016. Uh, they only had one that year, Christian Westerman. We know how he panned out. But um, I, what I was really interested in is the, the last two times they coached. 
what did they do? So they in 2009, they, they coached the Senior Bowl um, coming off of that miserable 2008 year, and they took four guys. And uh, one of them still on the team, Kevin Huber. Uh, they also had Ray Maluga, uh, Jonathan Luigs. I don't even know how you say that guy's last name. <laughs> He's an offensive lineman and a safety, Morgan Trent. And then in 2011, um, the when they coached in the Senior Bowl again, uh, coming off the miserable 2010 season, they, they took Andy Dalton and Clint Bowling, who were in the Senior Bowl, or at least on Senior Bowl rosters. So, yeah, six last year, and that it, it kind of – I think that's interesting because of what you wrote about the mobile mobile seven, the the seven holdover coaches that were down there. Um, they they really relied heavily on the senior bowl because the they they got they were so far behind in getting the staff in place. Uh, the the staff is in place this year. They were down there for the senior bowl all week, obviously coaching it. I can't see. I mean, first of all, it's not going to be six because they only have seven picks, and one's Joe Burrow, so that would mean every other pick would be. Unless they added picks, I would assume but they're going to add picks at some point. Yeah, but still, six. I mean, that I can't imagine it being that many. But it, I, I think it'll be more than than two or three because they they had two and eighteen, they had three and seventeen. Most years they're right in that two or three range. Um, two thousand twelve, they had five. That was the second most uh, behind last year's six. What was your? Um, did you have any takeaways from the game? Did anybody? Obviously, uh, you know, you saw Justin Herbert came out and and showed well. He was sort of the uh, he was the player of the week uh, through practices. Was there anybody uh, that that stuck out to you that that you noticed? Well, I don't know how in the hell he won MVP because he was on the losing <laughs> team that lost by seventeen. And the the North defense was, I mean, they just I had it in my story. You know, they they sacked. South quarterbacks eight times, and really it was nine. I don't know if you didn't watch the game. I, I think it was it was one of Herbert's first dropbacks, and I can't remember who. I, I think it was a Michigan um, defensive player that thought he was still in practice, or he thought you weren't allowed to hit quarterbacks in the game because he got in there and he just kind of tapped Herbert on the on the hip, like he thought that would count as a sack, and. And then Herbert took off and ran for like a, a huge gain. So really, they had nine sacks in that game. Uh, those those guys, um, the there was a, a defensive end from Syracuse that was constantly in the backfield. Uh, Uche from Michigan was constantly back there. Now I don't know if the Bengals are going to be going after edge rushers um, in, in the draft, but um, not not really anybody else that that really stood out. Uh, especially on the north or on the south side, because it, it, they just they they opened the game with a, a long touchdown drive and really didn't do a whole lot after that until they got a touchdown toward the end of the game. Um, I, I was impressed by the, the Tennessee wide receiver. He had a couple nice catches, and it was interesting. I was talking, I was do, doing the story on Brian Callahan calling plays in that game so that Zach could kind of focus on some of the the defensive guys, and and he talked about how Jennings suggested this route and and. Brian went ahead and called the play for it, and they ended up getting a touchdown, their last touchdown of the game. So uh, I, I thought he played really well. But, again, wide receivers probably not a position that they'll be targeting early in the draft unless, you know, they they tr- they tag and trade A.J. and they trade John Ross. If something crazy like that happens, then, then maybe they are going to go after a wide receiver because there's plenty of them in this draft. The wide receiver thing's kind of interesting, Jay, just because – I mean, 
The draft is so deep. It is, I mean, this is a, like a legendary type of wide receiver draft, at least it projects to be. And a lot of times that, you know, means that you can really find really good depth there too. I mean, if you're talking 15, 20 guys that are like legitimate dudes, I mean, you could be late, later into the draft and, and find your, you know, Debo Samuel is a, is a, was a second round pick, but I mean, you can, you can find that type of guy maybe a little bit later in the third or the fourth, which is probably an area more where the Bengals would be picking just sort of best on their board as well. That because, you know, some of the other positions do hit them well uh, at the top of the draft. A thought there where, you know, you could get, you know, this year's Debo, this year's Terry McLaurin, you know, the, there's a lot of guys on the senior bowl roster. Uh, that, you know, whether it's Van Jefferson from Florida, KJ Hill from Ohio State, that maybe project to be that type of a breakthrough guy this year. And where do you get them? You could maybe get them a little bit later in the draft. And, and so, or certainly, you know, who knows where they'll, where they'll end up. But, um, you know, that could be a, another angle you could take there. One of their best late round wide receivers ever, Marvin Jones, was a guy they, they, found at the senior bowl they didn't well they didn't find him there but i mean he played in the senior bowl and that, that he was a fifth round pick and ended up being one of their better late round picks of, of this decade no doubt absolutely no doubt i mean it, if they could find the next marvin jones wouldn't that that that's pretty much a dream scenario yeah. um one of their best values they've ever they've ever taken uh so now it's on uh san francisco last year went from senior bowl to super bowl uh, so here they are. Let's, let's dive. First of all, we need to get some, some Super Bowl predictions on the record, uh, from you and from me. I have mine written down here. We have not discussed this before. What's your, what do you, what's your gut on Sunday? Um, I think the Chiefs win fairly easily. Um, I, 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 I think they've got the advantage at head coach, although I love Kyle Shanahan, but I just, Andy Reid's experience, I think, gives him an edge there. They've got the advantage at quarterback. Those are the two most important spots to have an advantage to win a Super Bowl. And I, I just, I think the the 49ers have had success in the playoff by being able to run the ball and and not having Garoppolo make mistakes. I, I think the the Chiefs are the, their offense is so explosive. The the 49ers are going to have to throw the ball to keep up. And they are that you were going to see some Jimmy G picks, and I just I'm going 34 17 Kansas City. See, there's a couple elements to that. One, I think the 49ers have a huge advantage at head coach. Andy Reid has experience, has won a lot of games, but he has also has a long history of choking in big games, and uh, I I worry about that. From a Kansas City perspective, I also worry about the fact that Kansas City has started slow in both of their playoff games. You want to fall behind to San Francisco, it's going to look a whole lot different than it did against those other teams, and and that's the worst thing that they can do. And Kansas City, if there is a weakness on them, it's their run defense, and so those things to me come together to go against well yeah Patrick Mahomes it's like it's Mahomes versus the world in a little bit I mean because they're he can get their offense going and humming so good I I worry about those slow starts and and I am a huge Kyle Shanahan guy uh so for that fact um I have San Francisco winning 34-31 um yeah, I like I like the Niners in this one. I I think they are going to be able to run the ball, and I think when 
at, when pressured to make a play, Jimmy G is going to make a play. I think he because he hasn't had to throw it much, people think that he can't. He's actually played really well in the fourth quarters of games this year when they've needed him. He certainly can, and the threat of the run opens it up. And the fact they haven't needed to use him throwing the ball much, I think has a lot of plays in the playbook for him that they still can pull out. I, I'm not going to say that Jimmy G is going to win MVP, but I think the Niners win um, and, and and pulled out against Kansas City. But it'll be I think it'll be high scoring for sure. Well, if it's high scoring and the Niners win, Jimmy G will be the MVP. I mean, I can't unless, well, unless they Kittle unless they run for 400 touchdowns. yards again. Yeah. <laughs> Mostert, you know, who knows what it could be. That that's my that's my take on the game. I, I've been on, in on the Niners all year. Week one in Seattle, I'm I was on the record and. And have a have a, a bottle of bourbon to prove it from some of our colleagues uh, on the Niners to win the division. I don't know that I saw them going all the way to the Super Bowl, uh, but I, I loved Kyle Shanahan. I love what they're doing. I'm not going to jump off the bandwagon now, so I'm on. And this Super Bowl kind of uh, illustrates how far the Bengals have to go because they didn't play the Chiefs this year, but they played them last year. Well, they played them in the preseason this year, but that didn't count. They played them last year and got their doors blown off, and they played the 49ers this year and got their doors blown off. Um, the the gap there is huge. Yeah, I would say the gap between the Niners and the Bengals and is about as good, big as you can have in the NFL. <laughs> That's pretty much it, 1-32. to 32. Uh, Yeah, we know we know what those games look like, so – they're a long, they're a long, long way away. That's for sure. And in fairness, two years ago the Niners were a long, long way away. They were zero and nine, uh, and trying to find their quarterback. And then they found Garoppolo, and that helped them start winning more games. Um, the Bengals' hope is only that that they can have say that they started over and found their quarterback and uh, started building the roster the right way. That's their only hope. That's the only connection I see between those teams right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, I got a good run passer boot here, right. I, and and we're gonna have to ask our listeners to help us because I don't know if we're gonna be able to keep up to execute the the true winner. Here's what it is: run passer boot. What number will be highest? Mahomes passes. People with a foot on stage during the halftime show. This is the entire thing. How many people will have a, from the time it starts, first note to last note? Not like people breaking down the stage don't count. And then how many celebrity slash family cutaways will there be during the game? Always a big number. You know, you're going to have, we, we, I'm assuming we'll see what we can see. Patrick Mahomes' dad get a lot of cutaways. Mike Shanahan had a million cutaways. I mean, there's going to be all the celebrities. There. Mahomes' girlfriend, Mahomes' girlfriend. Yeah, there's there's all lots of potential there. So, those three numbers, which one will be highest? Boy, that's tough. Um, I I want to say that the cutaways because Fox is as shameless as anybody with this, where they'll they will have they know exactly where their celebrities are that are on their shows that they're going to be pimping. Uh, just hopefully like they the won't Rob be wearing Lowe. an NFL hat. Hopefully they'll yeah. be wearing NFL hat this week, like Rob Lowe last week. You know, I did watch that show because of the the, the whole thing, the how he kind of started trending because of the hat he was wearing. It, I, I really did enjoy that show. I've I DVR'd it. I've only watched the first one. I haven't caught up, but um, 
A little plug Man, for Fox. Man, the Fox there. people are in. Look at you. You you were fooled. You you fell right into their trap. I said I think Rob Lowe is smart enough that he found the way to be trending would be to be a goofy dude in an NFL hat. That maybe he's he's just smarter than everyone else. He's just a genius, Rob Lowe, and not a goof. Yeah, I mean, it was the premise of the show is is, is great. It's you know he's he's a New York cop. He's facing all these personal issues. Uh, the Austin where it's Austin nine one one. The Austin Police Department loses everybody in a ca- catastrophic explosion. So he goes down there and rebuilds the the department. It just I don't know. I, I got sucked right in and uh, I did. I don't watch a lot of. Uh, dramas. I, I watch reality. I lo- you know, you and I love Survivor. Uh, I watch Netflix, those kind of things. But this this one really sucked me in. So I, I, I'm tempted to go with the celebrity cutaways because Fox does that a lot. But I'm, I'm going to go – I'm going to run with Mahomes' passes. I think that's going to be in the 40s. Wow. And um, I, I, don't, I don't see them doing that many cutaways. Just to clarify, if they, if they show – Mahomes' dad seven times is that seven cutaways or is that one? Is it is it different people that or is, each? Oh no, each that's seven. That's seven. It's okay, each cutaway, each right. cutaway. Yeah, yeah I'm still gonna go cutaway too. I'm still gonna go Mahomes passes. Um, I, I do think we're gonna see a lot of people up on stage. There's gonna be a lot of special guests with J Lo and Shakira, um, and there'll be a lot of band members. There'll be. I don't know how many background dancers will be. If, if it's a, if they're male musicians, they tend to have a lot of background dancers. I'm not sure J Lo and Shakira could both dance pretty well on their own. I'm not, they may have, you know, just a handful of background dancers. So I'm going to boot the, the stage at halftime and I'll, I'll pass on the family cutaways and run with my home passes. I, I think it's going to be easily in the forties. Wow. We are the exact opposite. Really? I am I am running with people on stage. I think it's going to be a beehive. I think there's just going to be so many people up there. There's going to be dancers everywhere. People people are going to be rappelling down. Like I think there's going to be all kinds of stuff going on. So I just think there's going to be huge entourage factor. Uh, so I'm going with people on stage at halftime, and then I'm going to pass uh, on the celeb family cutaways. I think that's going to be a big number though. And I'm going to say Mahomes passes is the smallest number of the three. I think I think 40 is going to be dwarfed by the other two. <laughs> I think that's, that's that's my thought. So if you're listening to this, uh, we need help. If you want to maybe play this game with the Super Bowl party that you're at, and and so maybe everybody can work together to count, and we'll try to count as well and see if we can come up with the right one. But use this good good party bet here for you. Run pass or boot. Those three things, a good thing for you to track as you're at your Super Bowl party this week if you don't drink too much, which I'm okay with that, too, if that's what you want to do. Just don't drive. Don't drink and drive. See? We're taking care of our people here. Taking We're responsible at the HTPG. We're responsible. <laughs> and I'll even support Lyft. You know? Get you a Lyft. It's the way to go. I do. Much cheaper than a DUI. <laughs> Yeah, no, you don't want that. Uh, all right, so that's uh, that, that's all I got. Unless unless you have uh, uh, some sort of prop bet that you love, uh, or that, that you want to you want to dive into, or, or do a growler bet on, uh, I'm 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 wrapped up. We should growler bet the people on the stage because you don't want to do the cutaways because <laughs> it's it's a three and a half hour experience. But uh, people on stage at halftime, what's halftime? That that's about a twenty minute show. Uh, 25 minutes. So we we could do that. We could do a growler bet on people on stage at halftime. All right. 
All right, I'm gonna think of my number right now. I think I've I've got about the area that I was gonna say. So, all right, I've got my number. I mean, we know that we know that we're gonna be differing substantially. Yeah. I'm uh, going so. 26, 72. Whoa, 72 <laughs> people are gonna be on stage at some point. One foot on stage be- between first note and last note. You watch. It's gonna Holy be madness. Cow. It's gonna be so. madness. So that's 98. So 49 is our cutoff note. Less than 49, I win. More than 49, you win. 49 is our number? All yep. right. I'll keep – I like that. I like that. I mean, there could be an entire marching band up there, Jay. Oh, my God. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> Anything could be happening. It's, or it's they could let the fans come up at some point. You know, those fans that they oh. plant down there. Maybe maybe it's yeah, like well, ex- that doesn't count if they're oh. on the ground. They have to be on the stage. Yeah, but they could have like a runway extension to the stage, yes. and they could have fans lined up there too. I didn't even take that into account, but I'll, I'll stick with me. my twenty six. The stage the stage could be huge. It could be like a giant spider stage that goes all the way across. There's all kinds of different. I mean, there's there's lots of different possibilities. My seventy two might be way low. I don't know. We'll see. Man, if anybody hits this growler in the background. I feel yeah. like we should give give a winner two growlers if they hit this one because yes. it is it, it could be all over the place. Yeah, and we are plotting the uh, the get together for the for the previous winners. Uh, so don't worry, that is going to be happening. We'll be in contact with you uh, sometime here in the off season to, to do a get together for the growler winners to all drink our growlers together. Uh, so if you want to get in on this number, hashtag Bengals Growler Bet, um, and it is the number of people with a foot. On the stage during halftime, first note to last note during the halftime show. Foot on the stage. Hashtag Bengals Growler Bet. Put it to us on Twitter, uh, and uh, we'll have you timestamp before the game. And uh, if you win, you win a growler of delicious 50 West beer on us. So, All right, uh, that, that wraps it up. I'm excited for this halftime show now to see what's going to happen. Nor, yeah, I'm not a, I'm not of, a big uh, J Lo or Shakira fan, but uh, I, I I'm a fan of gambling. So yes, yeah. <laughs> I, I can't wait to count. <laughs> We're gonna have to be watching it in slow motion. I mean, that's just the thing; it's gonna be hard for us to tell. Well, you DVR, know, we, 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 go we need a, we need an all twenty two is what we need. <laughs> yeah. no, I think I think up with, close. If we if we DVR, I, I can go slow mo on my DVR and replay. I, I think we'll be able to figure it out. All right, I'll. Maybe I'll request somebody uh, that I know in the press box to take an all-22 video for us. <laughs> That's what I need. Uh, all right. That'll wrap us up. We'll be back next week after the Super Bowl, and then we'll be um, we'll be on a beeline to the Combine at that point, which is uh, at the end of February. Uh, so, anyway, thanks, everybody, uh, for listening to hear that podcast, Growling, and uh, have a good one, everybody. Yeah.